Hello and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast, where we seek to inspire and equip parishes and leadership teams to bring their parishes from maintenance to mission. My name is Ron Huntley, and I'm the coach in Divine Renovation Network. And with me today is our returning co-host, Matt Vaughn from St. Benedict Parish. Welcome, Matt. Thank you very much for having me here. It's good to have you back. Great to be here. I'm excited to be back in studio, getting back at it. <laughs> love it, love it. Get the cobwebs out. We'll talk about that return in a second. Right. But uh, today we're going to also have with us Tanya Rogerson. Tanya Rogerson works with CCO. Catholic but, Christian Outreach, that's right. Yes, yeah. and formerly used to work with St. Benedict Parish. Uh, I used to work alongside her really closely. So I'm really excited to bring her back on. Uh, in, or bring her on studio today and share with us some of her experiences, both in her new job, but in a particular way, uh, her time at St. Benedict Parish. So that's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be great. I feel like we've, you've, she's come up a fair bit on the podcast already. So her she looms large <laughs> she on the does. DR podcast, I would say. So we're going to put put a face to the name and put some... Uh, put some stories to uh, some of the things we said. Love it. So you you did just come back. So not only are you back on yes. the studio, but you're back to work. Tell us a little bit about that. That's right. Yeah. So I just got back uh, from paternity leave. Yeah. Um, so I had a little girl just before, uh, the week before the DR18, uh, which was crazy. In its own right, just having a baby is crazy as people who've had babies now. It's your first one. First one. Yes, Exactly. Uh, so everybody tells me life's going to change, and that's true. <laughs> Life does change. Um, yeah, so it was a bit, it, you know, I was uh, doing a couple of breakout sessions for DR18, so I had to be on the ground there, even though she was at that time four and five days old for the two mm-hmm. days of the DR18 conference. So it was a bit of a crazy schedule for me because I was I was off with the baby, and then I was back for DR, and then, um, yeah, and I was, I was off for, for about a week and a half there as well. And so I'm just kind of, this week is really the first week where I'm back at it, even though we had Canada Day uh, here in Canada on Monday as well. Sure. So abbreviated, but I'm uh, back in action. Good to have you back. What did, yeah. What's your daughter's name? Evangeline. 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 So a bearer of good news, like, yeah. you know, gospel, you know, evangelization, evangelist, yeah. evangeline. It's all kind of the same, same kind of word there. Love so, it. Yeah, I love it too. Yeah. What, what are you being up to this week, Ron? Well, there's a few things. When I just came from the, the men's leadership gym at St. Benedict Parish, which I, which I do in the mornings once a week. And uh, one of my friends, G-Van, came up to me. G-Van is uh, a parishioner who is very involved in our game plan yes. at St. Benedict. Mm-hmm. how we form disciples who joyfully live out the mission of Christ, uh, been on Alpha, served on team. But then also he and his wife felt called to take Alpha into the prisons, which was a real call from the Holy Spirit because they'd never had any experience with prisons or anything in the past. They would have no logical reason to be propelled in that direction if it were not for the sovereign work of God. But anyway, so he approached me this morning, uh, just kind of sharing his vision of what what could it look like instead of just focusing on one prison that's close to maybe start to expand and, and see if we can impact or he, they can impact a bigger area of the Maritimes. And isn't it cool how sometimes, you know, visions grow? Mm. You know, God call, gives us some and then calls us to more. Right. And so I was just really inspired by him sharing and, and even the fact that he came to me to talk to me about it. I just thought it was real special. Yeah. And it's, it's a sign of, uh, you know, God placed something in his heart, like he said. It's not like either yeah. of them were involved in like, the justice system or anything like that. And for that to grow and for them to want that for other people, I mean, it means there must be, you know, great success there or that it's really fulfilling for them too, which is awesome. Yeah. So that's, that's really exciting. It's so fun. I mean, it's, it's the, doing Alpha in the prison context has its own set of challenges because, mm. you know, clearly things are highly regulated and yes. there's no going away for the weekend, for example. Like, right. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah, they're being limited in that. Is, that is, is Alpha in the prisons, is that a common thing that Alpha does internationally or is that – 
is that unique? Well, you think about it. You know, Nikki Gumbel was a lawyer, and okay, right. there's a lot of the people involved at HTB. Not, you know, <laughs> we're lawyers. Okay. And so there, justice has always been a huge part of their charism, I think, in the world. And so Alpha in the prisons, I think it might even be in every single prison in the UK or pretty okay, close wow. to it. And so I know in Canada... Uh, there's a per- the person specifically responsible for helping to support alphas in the prisons. And so, yeah, it is a thing. Uh, so it's really cool, isn't it? That's awesome. Yeah. I, lo- yeah, I love it because it's, 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 uh, it's how we reach people. It's how people experience God. And uh, it's amazing we can bring that to people uh, who are, you know, in a place of, uh, you know, dark place sometimes, right? You know, it's a hard time hard place for them to be in. So What was fun about uh, when they first started, it was really cool because – they said, Ron, this is where we feel call. I said, terrific, but the only thing is you need to come with us. I said, well, I don't know if I can. Well, you at least need to do the Holy Spirit weekend. So I said, okay, or, or the talk on it. So I said, sure, but you have to go through like three hours of security training to even be allowed in the prison, plus all the security checks, no problem. Because you're not just visiting. <laughs> like you're going in, you're like in the... Yeah, you're behind the, on the, the walls. Not behind yeah. bars per se, behind the walls, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and so, you know, they need to train you and they do a really wonderful job. But it's interesting because during those three hours, one of the themes that came out was how important trust is in prison hmm. in terms of the people that... And I'm realizing I can't parachute in to do one talk I won't have any trust. And if trust is important as they say it is, and they're the experts, so I'm right. taking them at their word, I can't come in and do that. And so after the training was over, I shared that with them. They both kind of looked at each other, and I said, but I can help you do it. And what I love about it is neither one of them felt equipped. Neither one of them felt worthy. Neither one of them felt like they were an expert in those things, but they trusted, and they were teachable, and then they execute it, even in the midst of fear and uncertainty. And I'll never forget, because uh, I followed up with them right. after that talk. And, and I remember Flavia, G-Van's wife, said, Ron, you won't believe it. The Holy Spirit, he showed up. <laughs> she was so surprised, which I thought was very fun. But it can be very intimidating for people starting to run Alpha because there's not as much support around those that particular talk in terms of how do you do it. Right. And so, you know, we try to raise people up and anyway, it's a lot yeah. of fun. So that was one of the things that happened to me today, yeah. uh, which I thought was interesting. But one of the things I wanted to ask you about, because mm-hmm. you're a relatively new employee at St. Benedict Parish. You've been a coordinator of communications now for approximately 10 months. Yeah. And you get to participate in this, hosting this international conference. I just wanted to, from your perspective, like, what was that like for you? What things did you enjoy uh, and how did it impact you? Yeah, uh it was really it, it was it was special to be entrusted w- with uh, DRAT to an extent because there was uh, you know I, I was involved in two different breakout sessions and you know for there to be that faith place to me you know from ten months in now I'm, I've been a parishioner there for a few years so it's not like they're, I'm some stranger off the streets right. they brought in ten months ago but uh, to be you know to have someone say hey you know we want you to speak to communications at a parish we want you to speak to um, to how we do groups at St. Benedict it was really affirming for me. And it was, it was good because I didn't have sometimes this thing that, that, that comes up that people talk about is uh, imposter syndrome where people, fe- people find themselves in a place uh, of success in their lives or in their career. And they sure. think, how did I get here? Someone's going to find out I don't belong here, that I'm totally an imposter. Maybe people uh, who are involved in parish ministry feel like that all the time, right? right? I'm in front of people. I'm saying that I know Jesus and I, you know, I'm knowledgeable and I have a deep relationship with God. And like, I don't know if that's really true for people. 
That said, I feel like I was, uh, there was a lot of grace, so I didn't feel that way at DR18. Because we were at this conference, and there's a lot of really impressive people in their own right. Sure. People come up to you and they say, hey, I'm really, I'm curious about one part of what you guys do. Uh, so like one guy was like, what do you do for your, for your email? And it was a pretty easy answer. You know, here's yeah. how we do our group email and things like that. Um, and then the conversations start with like, so what's your pair situation like? And it's just, it's some, some, some it's mind blowing, yeah. right? Some other parts of, uh, especially in the United States, it's close to home in Canada, but some of the churches are much, much larger than we have here. Um, so it was really interesting to hear from them where they are. And I remember I had one conversation in particular that really struck me um, with this guy uh, from Texas. And he was talking about, he was saying, yeah, we just feel like we're really behind you guys in terms of culture. Yes. I was like, okay, I get, I, I, I get that to an extent because I've heard that from other churches. And so I was talking with him about kind of what they're up to. And he was on the communications end of it, which is a, right. a little bit that can often be more um, technology driven. So sometimes it's social media, sometimes it's more a website, things like that. And so I'm talking with him and I understand what he means by being behind uh, in a cultural way. But when it comes to all of the ways that they are reaching out to people online or all their communications tools, some of them are it's quite a bit beyond us. us in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like he has these great tools, but he doesn't really know what to do with it. Or maybe that's not the right characterization of that. But, you know, it doesn't necessarily have uh, the right support or backing or they're not going in the right direction with it, mm-hmm. which I totally get. So I have his, uh, his contact information. So it's my plan for sure to follow up with him because I feel like there can be a real true exchange of – ideas and um you know we can kind of hopefully we can make both parishes better and both of uh both of our jobs well that's the beauty of the network isn't it i mean that's the to me the 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 magic behind it is we can learn from each other i always in any given any time we talk i always feel like you know there's a certain percentage of people there that could be giving the talk better than us there are people that could be doing this right now better than us right but it's not called we're not called to be the best we're called to be faithful we're called to be who we are and just share generously and one of the things i love about the culture that we've created not only at divine renovation but of course because it came out of saint benedict parish but we're okay with making mistakes and we're okay with sharing our mistakes because <laughs> oftentimes that's where we learn the best but it's also oftentimes where other people learn the most from us right. it's not just our the things that we're doing well and we're always aware, and you're probably more aware of this now than ever being on staff. It's, yeah, we do a lot of things well, and there's a lot of things we need to improve on. <laughs> when yeah, you're on absolutely. staff, you really see it, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I see it, and even in just the things, the, some of the day-to-day things, where I'm just yeah. like, man, I, I wish we were further ahead on that. That's something I really felt, actually, after the conference, was that I was like, I just so badly want to be further than where we are right now. Like, That's I wish awesome. that, and it's funny, too, to think about, I wish that, that you know, I could be, we, that our parish could be have have arrived in a way before DR18. It's like, well, no matter where we are, we would never feel we that never arrived. Which is yeah. yeah, which I kind of learned after that, or at least I've thought about it more since then. Um, that so, idea. So the very fact that you're saying I wish we were further along tells me you have vision for certain things that are happening, which is really important because when you experience that gap of where we're at and where we want to be, that means you have vision. And then to be able to articulate that vision and then work that into a plan and then start to execute that plan, that's ex- that's where churches, that's how they thrive and explode, is when people like you have vision in the areas that you're working in, can share it with other people and then drive in a particular direction. That's unleashing, unleashing the innovation leadership within your staff and your key volunteers. So. Yeah. I love that you have that. And it can sometimes happen where uh, you don't get to the the excitement with it. You get frustrated. I feel like I see that too, right? Like there's been times where I've had this kind of discontent where I'm kind of like, 
just kind of frustrated and, and I'm not, maybe I'm not in the right headspace or I haven't thought about it, or maybe I haven't even articulated it with other people enough to kind of get other people's input in it. Right. So get out of my own head and don't be frustrated because some of that is selfish thinking too. Where it's like, I'm frustrated because I'm not where I need to be. And yeah. it's like, well, you're not, you're part of a team and you need to be reasonable and that sort of thing. So to know to know that gap and to not be frustrated by it, but to see hope in it is a big difference. True. Something that I, I found really valuable and something I really hope to kind of keep looking for, that hope in there. And I would also say that that's why it's so important to have regular meetings with staff. Mm. Like whoever the support people are for staff, that's why you need to be meeting with your staff every single week. Because as they're innovating, they're going to have different frustration points. And that's not a bad thing. But they need to unpack their frustration sometimes or their disappointment or their discouragement. And a lot of times people will just push that down because nobody's asking them. We're not having those regular conversations. And what happens inside? We die. We get frustrated. We disengage. We lose hope. And it happens all the time. And so what's the difference in supporting people well and meeting with them regularly is you start to get to the heart of why. And if you can start to uncover that in a person, you're probably going to discover a vision for excellence. And you want to empower that. Like, first question I asked G-Van this morning was, mm-hmm. tell me what's in your heart. I knew what I wanted to do. I, I already have connections uh, maritime-wide with prisons and everything else, and I knew what I could do. Right. But I'm thinking, I'm not going to start with that because I want to know what's in his heart. Because if he tells me what's in his heart and it matches what I can do for him, then that's gold. But if I don't ask him what's in his heart and I just tell him what he could or should do, well, there's no fun in that. Yeah. And there's no, and the Holy Spirit's not really active in that too in a lot of ways. Cause then it's just you and your own, you know, your own connections, your own power saying, let's do that. And then you get, start getting into ministries that are devoid of the Holy Spirit. And you're like, well, great. Look where we are now. Right. Where have we really been? And, you know, honestly, you know, coming back from Pat leave this week and having our first team meeting in a little while, uh, it totally speaks to what you're saying because I came into this meeting and, uh, you know, there were a little bit of frustrations that were were, were kind of in me and uh, things that we could talk about. And it was so good to be able to, to share with people, here's here's where I am, here's what I'm thinking. And it wasn't, you know, the culture that we have, uh, especially my, my team, is that it's like, yeah, let's just talk about it. It's cool. It's right. totally fine. And I don't know if anybody's ha- had this experience. Maybe it's when you haven't met in a long time. Um when you, you, you kind of stew with things. I do that all the time. We're like, I'm thinking about things. I remember saying to, to my wife a couple nights ago, I was like, hey, you know, I've been thinking about this all day. And it's stupid that I'm thinking about this all day. Because <laughs> it's not even necessarily something that's in my kind of sphere of influence of the parish. Not even yeah. really necessarily in my, uh, yeah, like what I am able to do, what my responsibilities are. But it just, it sticks with me. And yeah. I think that's it. part of that was just being out of the, you know, being out of the game a little bit being off, uh, on the bench for a while uh, with the baby, which is great. But uh, but I totally needed to have that meeting. I totally needed to talk about it because it's like, this is good because otherwise it gets unhealthy really quickly. And I could see that in myself. I could right. tell. Well, see, and that's that's good self-awareness because I'm the same way. Like I was talking to somebody in the network the other day, just yesterday, and, and we were talking about the frustration that that person's dealing with right now. And I tell them, you know, I my pace is I, I want to quit about once a month <laughs> and so don't worry about it like it's okay it's normal to get frustrated it's right. normal to want to throw in the towel it's normal to, to to you know knock up against other people because of personalities or preferences or what ha- what have you and it's okay <laughs> right and that's and, and that's why it's again so important when we work with teams in in the network starting with the pastor and their leadership team is we need to model health and we need to have a 
a group of people where it's okay to have those kinds of conversations so that we can model it and create that space in all the other different groups that we are responsible for supporting and ultimately unleashing. Right. And so that's that's so cool that you've had that experience. Hey, listen, one of the yeah. things that I'm looking forward to as well is by the time this podcast airs, I will have landed after a 30-hour flight in Brisbane, Australia, for the Proclaim 18 conference. That's exciting. I'm sure you're more excited for the conference than the flight, oh, right? You have to be more excited you have for that. No idea. Oh my gosh. <laughs> going to Brisbane, that's exciting. Proclaim 18. Uh, so, what are you going to be doing there? Are you going to be speaking a little bit? They're sure. going to ask me to, yes, I'm going to be giving a keynote presentation uh, on cult, leading culture change okay. in parishes uh, towards evangelization. And so, I'm really excited about that. Culture change and evangelization, are you kidding me? Those are my two absolute favorite topics. Yeah. And so, I'm really excited to, to join a panel of great speakers and, and to be invited for this opportunity. They're sold out, which is great. They're saying this is their biggest one yet. So, congratulations to the Australian Conference of Catholic Bishops for, for that. And so it's going to be really fun. And then from there, I'm going to be doing some work uh, with uh, Lorraine uh, from Alpha Australia. Oh, yeah. Lorraine McCarthy has is, is lined up a bunch of speaking opportunities and to really breathe into some of those churches in Australia that are currently on the road from maintenance to mission, uh, using the tools and resources that we've put out in terms of the different books that have come out and really along far along in the process. And so I'm going to be speaking into them. So just I'm just delighted to be able to do all that. So I'm going to get to spend a little bit of time with my friend Chris Sadler and uh, spend a day of golfing. And uh, hey. so I'm really looking forward to it. That's exciting. It's yes, be- I'm, I've, I'm jealous on your behalf. Have you been, have you been to Australia before? <laughs> Never. Never? No, okay, no. there we go. First of many trips, maybe. <laughs> yeah, can't wait to see my first kangaroo. I'm sure that's not a big deal to my friends in Australia. Yeah. But hey, listen, when Pat and Mia came to work here from Australia, they couldn't wait to see snow. So Right. <laughs> And you're like, yeah, gosh, you <laughs> they got sick of it after a yeah. while. <laughs> I got that sense for them, but it, and it's exciting that we spent so much time with Pat and Mia, and then we get to, uh, you know, go to Australia to help them yes. to help the church in their uh, in their country because I know that they're really passionate about it. So it's kind of it's nice with it's kind of a love letter setting you out there like, in a way, <laughs> and they brought you, but I think that's exciting. Well, it's fun for them too. I just yeah. got word when they got back that a new bishop was appointed to Melbourne. I saw that this week. Yeah. I thought thought of them right away. I should right. have texted them, but yeah, I know it's exciting. A new bishop there, and I mean that's a big uh, that's a big area, and that's I think he's a pretty exciting guy too, from what I could tell. I mean he's on he's pretty active on social media and everything like that. And that's that's cool. kind of my metric, I guess. For being exciting. <laughs> well, for our generation, we sure kind of figure like out it. who people are and yeah. stuff. So it is exciting. I think he's from the Wollongong Diocese. I'll be there as well. So that's going to be fun. I think they've really been embracing the principles of divine renovation a lot of the parishes there. And so awesome. it's really exciting. You know, you just never know what God's doing next and how the Holy Spirit's moving. And yeah. so it's going to be really fun to be there. That's exciting. That. So our guest is Tanya Rogerson. Why don't we take a break and welcome her back? Sounds good. Have you ever read books or listened to talks on parish renewal and leadership and thought, that's good for them? <laughs> but how would that ever happen in my parish? And do these people even know what it's like to be in a parish? How do you bridge the gap between the theory and real life parish? The Divine Renovation Association exists for all those reasons. It's created for and by people who have lived it and are living it right now in real-life parishes. I believe that every parish has the potential to impact the world around it. I believe that every leader has the capacity to be a better leader. I believe that every parish can be so much better and more exciting than it currently is. And we want to help with that, to help you and your team to move your parish from maintenance to mission. Welcome back. And joining us in the studio is Tanya Rogerson. Welcome, Tanya. 
Hi, it's good to be here. Yeah. <laughs> it's great to have you. Yeah. So tell us, you're working at CCO, Catholic Christian Outreach, a university ministry. Tell us what your role is and what you're doing there. Sure. So I work in CCO's Human Resources Department as their Recruitment and Talent Manager. So that's... What do you think of that, Matt? I think we're getting recruited today. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's after. Look, is, is that what this is about? That's how it works. Do you have like a swag package? <laughs> CCO merchandise that you try to steal us away with? <laughs> That's how that works. I don't quite really know. That's exactly how we do it. We give them hats. Yes. Oh, sometimes somebody notice our talent, man. Yeah, I, feel good I think it's those. good. I'm glad. <laughs> about time. Exactly. Oh my gosh, it's a lot of fun. I didn't. I didn't think. I didn't ever, you know, have a, a goal or a plan to be a, a recruiter. But it yeah. is so much fun. I love it so much. I love working with the university students. I love um, identifying their capacity, at, like as FACT, so good at that. Yeah. and and then teaching others to recognize um, FACT capacity. It's it's just so much fun. And then <laughs> people are at a point when they're thinking about what to do after university to think right. about, you know, like what's next. And um, I want them to do whatever God wants, right? And encourage them in that, and also let them know if CCO might be an op- opportunity to become a a, a university. Uh, missionary. Mm. And uh, they're just allowing me in in a really like vulnerable time in their life or or even where there's so much opportunity in front of them. And so it's it's sacred ground, right? Yeah. That um, they're giving me permission to be on. And I love it. Like it's, yeah, <laughs> I love it. And so I trip all over. No, I love it. I am so awesome. grateful to be doing it. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting. You know, you say F-A-C-T, faithful, available, contagious, and teachable. And for those people that have been around working with us with the workbook, the Vine Renovation uh, Guidebook, they're going to recognize those terms. You're the one who taught us those terms at St. Benedict Parish. In fact, in a lot of ways, you really had a lot of vision for a lot of the things we take for granted now. And you used to work at St. Benedict Parish. And so tell us a little bit about that. When did you, how did you get in, how did you come to St. Benedict Parish? And then we're going to unpack that a little bit. But tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Experience. So I had um, been really like a career church lady. <laughs> no <way>. <laughs> <laughs> She's the church lady. That's her. <laughs> Let's hope I'm putting a new face on it, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, <that's> right. <laughs> but um, I, uh, yeah, I had worked uh, for, I had at, at a university or high sorry, out of high school, I had done net. I worked for CCO for six years, and then I worked in parish ministry um, right after I had worked for CCO previously. And then uh, the opportunity, St. Benedict opened, and an opportunity for the parish ministries counselor came up. And I, mm-hmm. I looked at it, and I thought, you know, geez, that kind of looks a lot like a lot of fun, right? Like yeah. I, could, I could get my, I could, yeah, get excited about that. And so I applied and, and was, um, had the opportunity to join staff, and I was the, the parish ministries counselor, which is a really obvious title. Not really. No. I didn't, I didn't, so. <laughs> counselor. <laughs> to me, that sounds a little bit like like you're going to you know, help people who are mad at each other and Eucharistic ministers who've got to fight. <laughs> sit, them, sit them down. And kind of like, All right, no, no, they weren't going. I know you wanted the chalice this week. But you got the ciborium. That's just what it sounds like to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I remember when we came up with the title. I remember Father James and I talking about yeah. it because one of the things that we were struggling with, one of the problems that we were trying to solve back then was – you know, people were getting engaged in, in the church or coming alive in their faith, but they didn't know what was next. And so we just felt like there was a gap, like how do we help these people serve in their areas of strength? So instead of just trying to plug them in a place where they were needed, 
we were trying to figure out who they were and guide them in a place where they would thrive. Mm -hmm. And so that was the intent behind, you know, Absolutely. ministry counselor or parish counselor. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Yeah. The evolution of that, the, the tool that we use to, um, to develop people's awareness of what their gifts and their strengths were was a, a, a tool called StrengthsFinder that the Gallup organization has developed. And um, uh, it was great because we would put on like three-week workshops, well, three-session workshops, and people were really learning how to like understand themselves and feeling validated by what they naturally brought to the table. It was, I love it. I love doing StrengthsFinder. You were so um, good at it because you also brought it to us as a staff. Like, that's and right. you got trained in it. And it was just, you, you did, I just loved going to them. I think I've been to a couple just from a couple of different vantage points. And every time I went, I loved it. Yeah. So it's much fun. So, it is so much fun for sure. Um, yeah. And so when we, what I was noticing as I, you know, working towards getting people from, you know, understanding what their gifts and talents were, and then, you know, and then you just plug them into the appropriate ministry. So um, I think is the, the philosophy, well, that had a really significant assumption that ministry leaders had the ability and the awareness of how to integrate new people. Mm -hmm. That wasn't always the case, you know, and it wasn't for lack of that they were trying to, um, exclude people. It's just that it's a skill that actually needs to be developed. We have to think it through. You have to be intentional about it. We just Absolutely. assume that everybody's been lifelong Catholics and everybody knows what every ministry means and just come and just do it. And it mm -hmm. doesn't work like that. It's true. And so I saw the opportunity within the role from taking, on one hand, is yes, developing um, our parishioners to engage them in, the, in, uh, in ministry. But then the other side of it was getting um, and preparing our ministry leaders to be leaders. And so uh, so that was an exciting development that we made. And that's when we implemented the, uh, the leadership summits um, mm -hmm. on a, on a tr uh, three times a year basis. So right? it's so exciting because it had such a huge, so those two things, just think about it, implementing, you know, strength finders as a parish, and then recognizing that leadership summits would actually play a role in both of those things are things we take for granted now and we teach all over the world. And both of those things were things that you kind of wrestled with to try to bring solutions to our parish life. It, and they still exist and, and are now are having a life way beyond that. So cool. Oh, it's wonderful. <laughs> it, praise God. Like, it's just so good. The, um, it's funny when I think of like the first couple iterations of the, of the summit, I'm going to be clear. Like, I didn't exactly have like a super clear vision for it. I <laughs> yeah. just knew it needed to happen. Right. I, I knew we that. needed to gather our leaders and what we put in front of them. I'm like, oh, we'll see. But then we evolved it. Right. When you and I started working together more closely, yes. we realized what a great vehicle to speak vision into our people. Right? right. Give them an opportunity to pray with them. Right. Or give. Yeah. Pray with them so that they're supported and, you know, are, are engaging and being treated in a way by by the staff and by the Holy Spirit. And then also to, to give them formation, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, it was, we, we figured that out. That wasn't, I, mean, I, know I didn't have that clarity. That's for darn sure. You just saw a need and you wanted to meet it. And so you headed in that direction, even though you didn't fully understand all the moving parts. Or, exactly. And yeah. I just love that. Again, innovation, you were allowed, there was a space, there was a culture, you were allowed and given room 
to innovate and try something new. And for all those parishes that are listening, like that's the key to getting your church from maintenance to mission is allow these innovations to bubble up in people, even if we make mistakes. Yeah. Mistakes are not the end of the world. They're out often the very thing that needs to happen before you get excellent at something. No kidding. Like yeah, babies walking. You're going to see it, man. I hope so. At some point, I'd love to see that. <laughs> She's going to make a lot of mistakes yeah. before she gets it right. Yeah, but she doesn't. True. Kids don't quit. But as adults, yeah. sometimes we think we've got to get it right the first time or, or, or the fear of getting it wrong prevents us from innovating. Yeah, as though as though you'll get crushed for what happens if you get to do a little bit of a mistake. Maybe that's a little bit of not feeling, you know, uh, sure about your position and what you're allowed to do. You know, I think the the freedom to to fail, I think if that's something that you value as a team, something you talk about sometimes, I think that makes a big difference. Because we're in the church, we're in the church world, God's perfect. Shouldn't we be perfect too? Isn't it, <laughs> we tell the church is perfect? It's like, well, I'm really imperfect. <laughs> so I feel no like, you know, idea. we have to open that up and have that room for uh, being able to make some mistakes. Yeah, be, be real. Yeah, be real. You know, That's true too. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting because we weren't always healthy. Like I, I'll often tell people in talks and, you know, we'll say, I'll say that, you know, the first four years we were growing like crazy. We were implementing a vision of evangelization and discipleship and making that normal. We're using all kinds of different tools, including stewardship, and, and things began in alpha, and things were growing and very exciting, but it was chaotic. And we didn't necessarily have a structure to support the direction we were going. And it got to the point, it's, it got more and more toxic internally. People wouldn't necessarily have seen that from the outside, but internally we were getting more and more toxic. And Tanya, what was interesting is you were part of that pro. You made us toxic. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Big problem. You're huge. And it's your welcome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thanks a lot. But you were part of that history, you know, because, you know, we have Matt on, on set and he's a staff, but he's been a staff for 10 months. So the culture he's used to probably is what he thinks it's always been like. You know, you know Paul Lang, who works on the other side of the cameras, he's a staff member that came on after that transition. But you and I were part of that transition. Mm -hmm. What was that like for you? What do you think were some of the things that were causing it? I mean, we're trying to change a culture. Oh, I mean, I think one thing I recognize, like what happened in CCO, but I see it happen and happening in CCO and happening at St. Benedict. And this, and you know, the Companions of the Cross say this too. You know, we were two years old, like a two-year-old's learning to walk. A two-year-old is making mistakes, right? It's chaotic. It's crazy. Mm. And as an organization, we were chaotic and a little crazy, right? True. Uh, Father James will say every once in a while, like, uh, that we were, you know, throwing everything on the wall and seeing what would stick, yeah. right? Not unlike yeah. a two-year-old. And <laughs> right. so... Yeah. Put yeah. everything in their mold and see what tastes good. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> yeah, and, it, you know, for good reason, we're learning, right? Like, mm. we, we're learning a lot. And I think in that, that chaos and that um, chaos for a reason, because you're just, we're launching out. And, yeah, so there was a lot of confusion, a lot of... Um, uh, we were still establishing our vision, still establishing clarity around things. Um, I, yeah, absolutely. Our, our 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 staff meetings were. I think I don't know who coined the term "meeting soup." Maybe Patrick Lencioni. <laughs> I think he did. But yeah, yeah. yeah, it was. Uh, so that just everything kind of comes up, and there's no right. trying to make sense of it. Tactical, <laughs> strategic. Yeah, yeah. everything's and the just things happening. That that maybe ought not to have like 
20 minutes of airtime would get 20 minutes of airtime. Been there. Right? Yep. The envelopes you use or something. You have people with evangelization sitting there. Why do I care what yeah. kind of envelopes we use? And, you know, and, and so, and yeah. <laughs> people listening, they're going, yeah, that's my meetings. How do we change right, that? But right. you, you had a big, again, I think it was you that introduced us to Patrick Lanchoni. I sure, think it was yeah. you that helped us recognize that what we were doing didn't work. I mean, I was just frustrated, but you actually looked into it. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that. Well, honestly, a lot of my formation from that came from CCO and Brett Powell, who nice. I think you have um, providing leadership uh, training for the DR yes, network. Right. Wow. Like, I learned so much from Brett. And uh, he had introduced Patrick Lencioni to CCO. Uh, and uh, Or CCO to Patrick Lencioni, I should I should say. Right, yes. And um, and so I knew it worked, right? Did I know how to implement it? Not necessarily. I'm just like, read this book. <laughs> you know? like, and then... Uh, and Father James loved it, right? Did, Death yeah. by Meeting, right? He loved he the book. It. It I, so I read good. it and it was yeah. so exciting. Yeah, yeah. Such, such good stuff, right? And I think it provided... Uh, it was a vehicle for clarity, right? Mm -hmm. And um, our, our meetings became a little bit more streamlined. Again, not perfect, but an improvement, right? Mm -hmm. I like using the analogy, I'm an Iron Man and like, not just Iron Man, all the like Marvel comics. And I, I think of the Iron Man suit, right? You have yes. that first version, if you've seen the movie, his suit is clunky and heavy, but functional. It gets him out of that cave, right? Okay. The next iteration of that suit is a lot more sleek and streamlined, right? But that next one, like where it's like, I don't know, like a pen and it turns into a suit or something <laughs> like that, like that's beyond, right? Yeah. And so I think, you know, like we all, ha we always have an iteration and I think we had um, stages of development uh, throughout those early years and continue to have them. Mm, it's true. And we learn, we do learn from doing. We learn from doing. And that's why I love what we do in the network is we're working. We, you know, people are still going to make mistakes when they join the network. Mm -hmm. like what, what our goal is to help them make them faster. Right. <laughs> Truly. Like, I want you to get to a place of predictable success. I want you to get to a place of wild fruitfulness and joy. And, and it's a, it's a clunky ride, but if yeah, work with people to help you keep that vision in mind and can learn from their mistakes and maybe spot mistakes as you're making them, you can recover quicker. Mm -hmm. And so mistakes are still being made. There's still times of frustration. There's still times where relationships are not kind of, you know, working out very well. But we go, th we went through all that. Sure did. Yeah. Didn't we? Yeah. 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 And it was so fun to be a part of the whole time. Clunkiness and and you know whatever the clunkiness still serves for function right it gets the job done and then you just keep on improving upon upon things right the first iteration mm -hmm. of leadership summit clunky right, right. <laughs> like it's, but again wait, what's happening now i don't think i could have even dreamed of and so i don't think any of us could have yeah yeah you know it's a it's a combination of uh, just desire love for jesus Mm -hmm. A love for his church and this mm -hmm. burning belief that it can be better. Like that's one of the things I think we all had in common. Absolutely. You know, when you take a look at the staff that Father James brought around, I'm talking about a talent recruiter. Like, right. <laughs> you yes. know, that he had your job for St. Benedict Parish in essence, Absolutely. right? Recruiting great people. And that was always the thing he was looking for. Their love for Christ, their love for the church and their belief that things could be better. It's really interesting for me to hear you guys talk about uh, the, the staff team was in a good place. We got had good people. There's still toxicity because I've been in situations where, uh, whether it's uh, working at a church or somewhere else, where it's like, I, well, I, part of me I know why this is toxic because that person's a nightmare <laughs> to work with, and every time I have a shift with them, I'm like, I want to get out of here. I want to get out of like I want to come up with any excuse to do anything 
uh, to get away from them. So it's really interesting to hear like, no, you can have good people, the right people, and it can still be disjointed and not work. Can you guys speak into that a little bit too? Like, <laughs> I'd love to hear. Great observation. That to me is like kind of mind blowing because it's not like you guys. It's not like there were a couple of people that were like, we got to get get rid of them. It's not like that. No, had, it was good. We had good a great people. visionary, yeah, uh, leader and father James, who recruited great people who loved Christ, who loved the church, and believed it could be better. And we grew in toxicity like crazy. Mm-hmm. What? I know. And that's mind blowing for people because some people just think if you get the right people in place, then things will be better. I've seen great people join organizations and underperform like crazy where nobody saw that coming. Why? It's culture. I got I to gotta share this. This is such a, maybe this is a very kind of a random thing, but I was watching a, uh, I was watching a YouTube video of uh, Steve Jobs was speaking at MIT, I think it was, or maybe it might have been Harvard, but he was speaking at one of those East Coast universities. This was back in the uh, early 90s. So it wasn't at Apple anymore. He was at Next, the computer right. company started afterwards. And it's really interesting because he's talking at one point about all the people that he brought on board there. And he said, we yes. brought this guy on board and he worked for Intel. And um, at one point he mentions a guy and he's like, I was recruiting this guy for a long time. He was this great guy. I finally got him this year. So excited. So I thought, hmm, I'm going to look this guy up and see what happened. Well, within about a year or two of that, that guy had gone behind Steve Jobs' back and said, I think I can run the company better, which had actually already happened to Steve Jobs at Apple. Right. He brought somebody in. They, they went around behind him. They said, this guy is not doing the job. So, they, so this person kind of betrayed him. And it was so crazy to watch this video and see him be like, I worked hard for this guy. He said no to me before. I brought him on board. And then to know, like, he actually ended up really hurting his team. And, like, it wasn't the right fit. Even this guy was great. Something was dysfunctional there at some point. And, uh, you know, it ended up being a huge problem for him. Well, and that can happen. Sometimes we hire great people, but it's not a great fit. Yeah. And if we're not, if we don't have a structure in place to meet and support people regularly, that goes adrift and can get really bad. And I think that was part of our problem. Father James has always had a global ministry Mm. and he travels a fair bit. And the current structure that we had at the time was everybody reports to the priest because that's what churches Mm. do. Classic. And so people were under supported, under led, not because we didn't have a great vision and a compelling vision, not because we didn't have great people because we had great people, not because we didn't have great programs because we had great programs, but we didn't have a great structure. Our structure was deficient. It no longer supported the success of our mission, and that led to toxicity, and it was brutal. Mm-hmm. How did you experience you such it? such clarity around that. I love it, Ron. You're so good. <laughs> it's so true. Now, um, uh, as far as talking about, like, the toxicity and how I, I, I think I have like rose colored glasses. Oh, good. Oh my gosh. I'm, I remember the frustration. I remember like, but, but it wasn't just, it was all of us. Like all of us were frustrated at different points and we had no place to process it. And so then you get yeah. those water cooler conversations. Let's close the door and talk about what's really going on. Like there was all yeah, kinds no, of that yes, stuff going on. Yeah. And it was yeah. horrible. And I think you're, I think you're completely right. Like how many, I can't even count how many people were effectively supported by Father James or, you know, like it was unsustainable. It was completely unsustainable. And so when, when there was the restructuring and, um, I, uh, you and I started working together, that like, I, then we finally were able to, to make, get some traction, I think. Right. Yeah. And I think that had to do with now everybody was supported. Everybody in operations was supported by Rob McDowell. Everybody in the pastoral yes. ministry side was supported by me. And so at least 
And that's had several iterations since. But the bottom line was we started putting people first and actually supporting them because they're an opportunity to be maximized, not a problem to be solved. Mm -hmm. And a lot of churches, a lot of pastors say, hey, my door's always open. If you need anything, come see me. And that's, in other words, if somebody's getting run over by a car, come see me. If not, deal with it. Like, that's what we're communicating. Mm -hmm. And so this structure change that we did almost four years ago really began to unleash people and gave space to have those conversations like you brought up earlier, Matt, returning from pat leave, feeling disconnected, frustrated with some things. But you had a venue, you had a platform that you could unpack it with people who love you and care about you and would listen without judging you. And we started to create that. But it was interesting because when that transition began to take place, we started, we're we were trying to find a, a pathway, mm-hmm. remember? And, and it it wasn't exactly where I thought we needed to go. Yeah. And so that was that. I remember that being frustrating because yeah. you were working on that. Talk yeah. a little bit about that. Gosh, you know, what I think was happening, and again, too, you were you had come from being part-time, we're working like uh, way beyond part-time hours at the parish and into full-time. And uh, But prior to you coming full-time, we hadn't had a, 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 um, a really strong structure around connect groups. And people were asking, what's next? What's next? Right. And I do. And I in my heart, I'm like, OK, connect groups, I guess. Right. And so <laughs> I, you know, I'm like, OK, well, I was looking and I was looking at other patterns from other par- churches that seem to have some success. Mm. And so that's where I was like, OK, let's let's go this way. Then mm. at that time, the sh- restructuring happened and. I think uh, we were able to focus in on what the original vision and the original right. pattern was. And so I'll be, I'll be frank, like I was really okay letting go with whatever that I was doing, <laughs> the growth path or whatever. I'm your like, adaptability yeah, as your number one strength exactly, thing really yeah, came like, into play. I don't care. Like, yeah, I'll do something else. And Let's then, just make it work. Yeah. And then I think from there we, we started our, our discussions around the growth path. Or no, the, no sorry, not the growth path, the game, game plan. plan. Yeah. yeah. And wasn't that fun? Because I, I say fun. There were many times where we had to stop the meeting and walk away because yeah. it was Ron frustrating. Would cry and cry and cry. <laughs> it was really I went through a lot of Kleenex. <laughs> I'm kidding. It was the other way around. Whatever. <laughs> it, was, it was hard because, and I, I really valued your uh, role in my life in that time. I've always enjoyed your friendship and, and your personality and what you bring to our organization. I'm so happy that CCO gets to benefit from you. But one of the things that you do really well is you know how to go into people's hearts, minds, imaginations, vision, even if they don't know they have one, and pull it out of them, and you don't quit. And and I get pretty grumpy sometimes. I always, I don't have the gift of teaching. And my joke is, you know, uh, when I teach, I tell you what the deal is. And if you don't understand, my second strategy is I say it louder. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right? I say the same thing the same way. And you were asking me questions I couldn't answer, and I found it so frustrating, and you wouldn't let go, which is exactly what we needed. I always feel like the game plan was pulled out of me by you as we wrestled with these ideas. Like, how, how long were we meeting day after day, week after week, before we finally came? Like, every day we get a little closer, but was it months? Was it weeks? I it can't even remember. It must have been. Um, yeah, it, yeah, absolutely. And honestly, I, I, I think it was like, okay, well, let's try and keep on getting this stuff out. And then and then when, once it came out, it was like, oh, it's the game plan, right? And you had, I mean, yeah, gosh. 
It was so much like, fun. Like the vision, honestly, Ron. Like the vision was in you, and it was a matter of just drawing it out and and showing it uh, so that other people could follow it. Right, right? and that's what you were so concerned yeah. about because you have four of your top five strength themes in relationship, and so you were hearing and being moved by that. Whereas I'm less sensitive to what other people are are wrestling with, and so that was such a great example of two people with different strength themes coming together for the common good. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember we uncover something new and I'd go to my leadership senior leadership team meeting that week and say hey this is what we've come up with next and everybody's always excited about it and it just mm-hmm. continued to evolve mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. until I remember when it first started I got some images off the internet <laughs> remember yeah I was so proud of it until you took it to the what is it graphic designer and it was like oh yeah that's it <laughs> like, I was so proud of my crayons and my little stick man and I thought it was great until you kind of put the final touches on it. But again, another example of an amazing contribution you made to St. Benedict Parish while you were here. And it really is impacting the world. You've been so much fun to work for, with, and so fun to watch your passions, your vision come to life in a parish and then impact all over the world. I hope you're proud of your time with us at St. Benedict Parish. Oh, without a doubt. And it's the culture, right? Like once we got the healthy culture piece on our staff team, like you know, you, it, I just, it, everyone works together and mm. it was definitely, it's always a team effort, right? Mm, it so. is always a team effort. In fact, I was going to wrap it up there. You probably felt that coming. And then you brought that up because you asked the question. I want to make sure we answer it before mm. we go. Cause mm. Matt, your question, you get all these great people, toxicity comes in. I think we talked about being unsupported, mm-hmm. not having regular meetings. All those things are really important, but the speed with which we turned around that toxic culture to health was literally overnight. I remember that first meeting we had as a pastoral leadership team. We talked about health versus toxicity. What does a healthy team look like? And we all together, we collaborated and came, filled the whiteboard and said, wow, that's a team we want to be involved with. Mm-hmm. And we all got excited about it. It was our collective, yeah, that's, the, that's what a healthy team does. That's how a healthy team behaves. That's how a healthy team talks. And we got really excited about it. And then the second part of that question is, what can undermine that? What, what forms of toxicity, behavior, attitudes can undermine health? Have you ever been on a team like that? And then we filled that board. And that wasn't a hard board to fill, right? But the reality is, and what we needed to take ownership for, was that we can all be toxic from time to time, all of us. But let's not allow each other to stay in that place of toxicity and undermine the mission that God has given this church. Mm-hmm. And when we committed to that that day, everything changed. And the the key for any leadership team from that point on is to police that, to take that seriously, to own it personally, to be uh, approachable when somebody calls you, not to be defensive, that's toxic, Mm -hmm. but to own your responsibility, to listen well, to apologize, to repent, and to be a better leader. Allow yourself to be redefined and to grow. And if if you can create a culture like that, you're unstoppable. The church is unstoppable. If we can create a culture like that where we lean into people, bring them closer to Christ, unleash them in the power of the Holy Spirit, and create a space where we can own our shortcomings, because guess what? We're all sinners, (laughs) and we're all going to blow it from time to time. And I think that's why, Matt, we can have these cultures of great people or these groups of great people with a great cause and still not get the performance we're looking for because culture is not led into intentionally, and until it is, we will never get the fruit our hearts long for.
And it's those right people that you have in those positions who are able to police that afterwards. That's what I'm kind of learning from this right now is that it's because the right people are there when you kind of get the toxicity out, that you can actually keep it out. Because I've been in situations, maybe you have too, where you've been in a group setting and we all learn something. We go, that's good. We should do that. And then you know, end up it. doing it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you have the right people, that makes a big difference. That's what I'm hearing from that. That's what I'm kind of learning from it at least, mm-hmm. that you can still be toxic, but you can get healthy and stay healthy with the right people. Well. And I think all the people are the right people. Somebody needs to have the courage mm. to actually have that difficult conversation. And getting back to Brett Powell did a wonderful leadership session on crucial conversations. Mm-hmm. Father Simon often talks about that book yes. being an important part of the culture and, and being able to have those, having the skills necessary to have crucial conversations to make sure that we do get to the heart of what's dividing relationships and the like. But anyway, so... Really fun stuff. It's been so fun having you on the program today, oh, Tanya. Thank Thanks you for so being much. here. Thanks <laughs> for having me. I'm so grateful. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. And so God bless you. And so for our friends that are listening and watching, thank you for being a part of this divine renovation movement. We encourage you to go to the website and and download the app, or I guess you can go to the app store and download the divine renovation app. That will give you all of the latest video releases that are coming out. It will tell you where our travel schedule is, who is where and when, and you can can stay to con- connect it to us. The other thing you can do through that is you can click click to commit. Click to commit is just, are you at a space where you're saying, you know what, the church can be better. I love Jesus. I love his church and I know we can do better. If that's you, hit that click to commit and join this movement in prayer and stay connected with us. We appreciate what you're doing. Keep up the great work.